So what did you get for Christmas? What was your favorite gift? It might not be the actual gift you got. It might be who you got it from, right? So we all, we all probably opened our gifts and we looked at them and we said, oh, that's thoughtful, that's thankful, and so thankful that you got me that or got me whatever. But in a sense, we know the message of Christmas is about Jesus Christ coming, don't we? That's really what it was all about. And it's interesting because in the passage we're going to look at today, Paul's going to talk about gifts that Jesus gave to every believer. That if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have received a gift, a spiritual gift. And so we want to talk about those spiritual gifts this morning because they're really important. And if you do not know what your spiritual gift is, if you're not activating it, if you're not developing your spiritual gift, then you're not living the way God intended you to live as a follower of Jesus Christ. So we want to talk about that this morning. So uh, I want to jump into Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, let me start at verse 7. And uh, you could follow along with me uh, at home and uh, here in house. Uh, but let me read it to you and then we'll talk about it. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Who does he, who does, or excuse me, what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the other heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Now, as you heard that passage, you said, what in the world is that talking about? Can I just simplify it and just tell you, essentially, the argument that Paul is making there is Jesus has every right to give these gifts out. That's the point that he's making. He has the right. He is the only one in the universe who has the right to give these out. And so he's well qualified to give these gifts out. If you ever wonder why I got a gift or what this gift is, Jesus is the one who knows the best gift, and he distributes the gift, and he has the right to do it. Now, notice what it says. He gets more specific here. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastor, teachers, to equip his people for the works, for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in, in the faith and in not the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning, craft and cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect a mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So here's what I want you to see. That Jesus gives every believer a gift to discover. And so the question is, what's your gift? What's your gift? What gift did Jesus give to you? Right? What gift did Jesus give to you? The Bible says we're all part of something bigger than ourselves. That yes, we're part, we're, we're, we have this new relationship with Jesus, but we also have a new relationship with one another. 
And we need each other. And we have been drafted onto a team. We've been put into a place with others. And you can't play, you, you have a role to play, you have a position to fill, you have a gift to deploy. And there's other passages that talk about it. For instance, let me read you Romans 12, because Paul basically says, you are not, you, there's, Jesus gives you a gift because you're part of something bigger than yourself. And your gift is to be used within community for one another, okay? Not to keep to yourself. And, and there's this mentality, I know I've talked about it a lot, but it's really strong in our American culture. It's just Jesus and me. And I'm just going to grow, I'm going to read the Bible, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to read books, and I'm going to read theology, and I'm going to gain knowledge. And because I'm doing that, I'm a mature Christian. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that we are part of the body of Christ, that we each have a role to play. We each have a gift to use. And so we have to discover what our gift is. Notice what he says in Romans 12. This is Romans 12, 3. In accordance with the faith that God has, uh, the faith God has distributed to each of you, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. The question is, do you know what your gift is? You know, you can go online and just type that question, what is my spiritual gift? And you'll have spiritual gifts inventory. That's one way to do it. Another way to do it, a practical way, is just get involved in different ministries. And what you'll find is, you'll find that some ministry you'll do it and you go, eh, that's not for me. I, I just don't feel energized doing that. But then there's some that, that you go, oh, well, that's great. And I want to just say one other thing. Don't assume that the lists you read in the New Testament are fully, uh, they're all the gifts that there are. I think that all they're doing in the New Testament is they're listing some of the more prominent, some of the more uh, basic gifts, and, but there may be other gifts, uh, that, spiritual gifts that aren't even mentioned in the New Testament. So that, that, that's the first thing. You have a gift, discover it. Figure out what it is. Uh, it's... It, <laughs> You know, the, when you're in school and you had an assignment and you, you didn't get it done and you had to go to your teacher and you had to come up with some excuse and you can't, you know, you know the old one is, you know, my dog ate my, my homework or something like that. You do not want to stand before Jesus one day and say, well, what did you do with the gift I gave you? Well, I didn't know what it was. I didn't open it up. Can you imagine getting a gift this Christmas and having somebody that cares about you and loves you give you a gift and you just let it sit? You never open it up. If you were the person giving that gift, would you feel a little insulted? I would. All right. So this is the second thing. Jesus gives every believer a gift to deploy. Not just to discover it, but we have to deploy it. Are you using your gift? Uh, notice Paul makes a critical statement in our passage. He says this. Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. If, and I want to encourage you right now, 
to literally underline, if you have a Bible, underline it. If you have a phone, highlight it. These words, he gives these pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets, and apostles. He gives them for what? Uh, here's what I want you to underline. To equip his people for works of service. Oh, we've got it backwards today. We've got it backwards today. Church, the church mentality today is we hire a pastor, we hire a youth pastor, we hire a children's pastor, we hire people to do ministry. That's what we do today in the church. And that's not what Paul says. Paul says the, the role of the pastors, the role of the leaders, is to equip you folks, online too, to do ministry. We're to equip you. And that's part of what our ministry is, to equip you, not to do it. And, and so many churches have this, this hired gun mentality. Let's hire this person to do that. Let's hire them to do that. Let's hire them to do that. And in reality, what the Scripture says is, we don't have the gifts that you have. There, in, in this audience right now and online right now, there are multitude of spiritual gifts. And I, I'm, I have been saddened over the years that I see spiritual gifts that people have and people have sat on their hands and not deployed them for the good of the body. There's multiple, multitude of reasons. None of them are really that good. I mean, none of them are going to stand when you stand before Jesus. Well, you knew what your gift was, but you didn't use it. Why not? Again, go back to the whole, somebody gives you a gift and you look at it, you say, man, I just really love that gift. And then you like, let's say it's a cooking utensil. And you invite them over for dinner. And, and the perfect opportunity to use that utensil comes. And the person that gave it to you is going, okay, here it is. They're going to pull it out. They're going to use it. And you don't use it. And they're going to go, wait a minute. Didn't I give you that for that? How would you feel, right? So we have this, these leaders are given to equip people. And my role is to assist you in discovering and unleashing your gift for the body of Christ. And, you know, a sign of maturity is that you don't just know your gift. You deploy it. You use it. You share it for the good of the body. You see, what I'm saying is, that you, you know, sometimes people call me minister, a minister. Do you know what? The Bible says we're all ministers. <laughs> we're all ministers. There's no difference between me. I mean, I just get paid full time. You're part time ministers. We're all ministers. Essentially, that's what it comes down to it. If you don't use your gift, the church will never be what God designed it to be, it will be lacking. Paul goes through that. He, taught, he uses a lot of different pictures. He says the body without an eye or without a hand isn't a healthy body. You see, the, no, the New Testament knows nothing of these hired gun mentality that will hire this person to do this ministry. Uh, it's always been, and it's always meant to be, the New Testament always teaches it, your job, uh, my job is to equip you, and your job is to use your gift. For the betterment of the body of Christ. Now, we must avoid, there's common errors that we have with gifts, okay? There's three common errors with gifts, and I want to talk about them, and you might want to write them down. 
there's what I call gift cop-out. Now, gift cop-out is that uh, because with every gift comes a duty. You know, you have a responsibility. These gifts are given, and one day you're going to have to give an account to how you use your gift, how you deployed them, how you matured them. And so we're called, like for instance, we're, we're all called to give. We're all called to give. And by the way, we're all called to give sacrificially and generously. We're all called to do that. That's not an option. But some people have the gift of giving. You can't say, well, I don't have the gift of giving, therefore I don't need to give. Uh, you, again, you do not want to stay before God one day and say, okay, time, talent, and treasure, what'd you do with those? Well, I didn't have the gift of giving. That's not going to fly, right? Or let me give you another one. We all are called to share the gospel, right? We're all called to share the good news. We're all, you know, the, ba the most basic uh, sharing of the gospel is the woman at the well. Read that story today. John chapter 4, read the woman at the well. So Jesus meets this woman at the well. He basically says, I, you need living water. And the woman runs away because she, you know, I mean, she, after the conversation, she runs back into town. And she brings the whole town out. Now, what, what theology school did she go to? What training did she have? What apologetics did she class did she take? What did she do? She just said, I don't know. I think he's the Messiah. He told me everything. And they, they came out. And what was the testimony of the people? And I'm wrecking the story for you, but you should read it. They come out and they go, well, we came out because you told us to come out. And we thought, well, but now we've seen it. You're right. No what? She was a Christian, or a follower, or at least interested, for how long? Maybe an hour? And she's pointing people to Jesus. My point is, you don't have to have the gift of evangelism. You don't have to have a seminary degree. You don't have to have a Bible education. You don't have to have a, a read 20 books on evangelism or apologetics to be evangelistic. We're all called to share the good news. But some people have the gift of evangelism. Okay? It doesn't excuse us for not. There's some, what I'm saying, you get what I'm saying. Sometimes we're all called to do certain things. We're all called to give. We're all called to share our faith. But we may not have the gift of giving. We may not have the gift of evangelism. Let me give you one more. Some people, we're all called to have faith, right? And then there's other people, they just have faith. I mean, it's just like, I mean, it's like sometimes I've, I've come across people who have faith that's like, that's scary. That, that kind of faith is scary. I mean, it's like, it's real. It's, and, and I kind of go, man, I wish I had that kind of faith. We'll talk about that in a minute. But, but, but we're all supposed to exercise faith, but some have a gift. See, we all need to share the good news. We all need to give. We all need to have faith. But that doesn't mean we necessarily have those gifts. So gift cop-out means that you say, well, I don't have the gift, so therefore I don't have to do anything in that area. So that's one. Number two is gift projection. Now, gift projection is a little different. Gift projection is um, when you're called to an area of ministry, when you have a gift in an area of ministry, like, for, for instance, let's say you have the gift of mercy. You really have a heart for people who are broken and people who are down and out and people who are struggling. So, so, so let's just say you have a you have a, a, a heart for the homeless. You have a heart for those in prison. You have a heart for those who are poor. And you want to serve them. And you really just do everything you can to help the agencies and help the people. And that's like, I mean, you get energized by that. You, you, you just are like, that's your gift. That's what you love to do. 
you, you find it uh, very engaging in, in that. Now, here's what happens. You think everyone should be like you. And you meet other people who say, well, I'm sorry that they're poor and I'm sorry they're in prison, but, you know, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't really move me as much. And you say, well, what's wrong with you spiritually? You, sh you should be like me. Or let me give you another one. Sometimes in missions we say, well, I'm really about foreign missions and I love uh, people who are stepping across and out of their comfort zone and I love supporting for that, them and I love praying for them and I think it's really important and all that stuff. And then other people are going, yeah, I think that's, that's great that you're doing that, but uh, I'm not probably going to pray for those missionaries every day and, like you do, and I'm probably not going to you know, focus on that. I'm focusing on something else. And you go, well, what's wrong with you? That's gift, that's gift projection. We think that just because we have this gift and other people don't have the same heart, the same burden that we have, that there's something wrong with them. No, they just have a different gift. It's okay. They may not be passionate about what you're passionate about. That's all right. See, the goal isn't to make others feel guilty because they don't share your passion for the poor. That's gift projection. And so... You got to be careful when you say, everyone should feel like I do about whatever it is. Everyone should, be, should care about whatever it is and make it a moral statement because that's gift projection. All right? God works differently. Here's the third one gift envy. Gift envy. So sometimes you watch people on stage and you say, oh, I wish I could play the guitar or the drums or sing. Uh, you know, wouldn't that be great? But I'm not, I'm tone deaf. <laughs> You say, boy, I wish I had that gift, you know. Um, you say, uh, you, and you say things like this. You say, if I had that gift, man, I would rock it. I would really, you know, I would really rock it if I had that gift. I would really serve God if I had that gift. I, I've heard people say this to me. Say, if I had a lot of money, boy, I would really be generous. And I say, well, if you're not generous now, chances are you're not going to be if you have a million dollars, two million, or three million, or ten million. Yes, sir, there's some people in our faith community that you would never know it. They're behind the scenes. And they're doing all the jobs that maybe you aren't gifted in and you don't care about. And, but they're just, they're rocking it. They're just, they're knocking it out of the park. You don't know their names because they don't, they don't get up on stage. They're working behind the scenes. And they're doing an amazing job. But you know what? There's another group of people that have incredible gifts and incredible abilities. But because of the busyness of life, because of the, the choices they make, they choose not to use their gifts. They're sitting on their hands. And that's too bad. That's really too bad. Because the body of Christ suffers when we don't use our gifts. All right. So those are the three things we've got to be careful about. Um, <clears throat> So you have a gift, now deploy it. Now I want to tell you a quick story. This is a make-believe story. Let's just say that uh, right during this service right now, somebody comes, or let's say the end, it won't disrupt the service. So somebody at the end of the service comes in and says, hey, I have this brand new, incredibly, this, this huge bus, and I want, to, I want to know if anybody wants to go for a ride. And you go, uh, yeah, I guess. You come out, you look at the bus in the parking lot. It's just amazing. It's huge. It's got all the amenities. It's got Wi-Fi. It's just it's fire. I mean, it's just it's incredible. It's incredible. 
And it's luxurious, it's amazing, and the driver says, let's go for a ride. So yes, all right, you go for a ride. You're going to go on a scenic ride, and you're, you're riding through, and the, the whisper quiet, and it's a smooth ride, it's beautiful, and they have, they have people who are serving food. I mean, it's, and it's not, it's good food. I mean, it's like really good food, and it's as much as you want, and then all of a sudden, the screen comes down, and they're showing a they're showing a movie that's in the theater right now. I mean, it's like, it's the movie you wanted to see. They're dropping down, and you're going, well, this is crazy. This is unbelievable. And you watch the movie two hours in or something, and the movie's over, and now they have more food, and they want to know if there's anything else that you want. And all of a sudden, a famous Christian star gets on there with their band, and they have a stage. I don't know how they did it, but they did it because it's our imagination, and it can be whatever we want it to be. And they start rocking, and you go, man, this is incredible. This is unbelievable. And they put on a two-hour show. You're four or five hours into it. And uh, then all of a sudden, you know, it gets, you know, you get done with the show, and more food comes, and and uh, the driver says, hey, you know, I think I got a flat. Can I get anybody to help me? And people are going, yeah, I'm kind of full. You know, I just can't move around too easily. Driver says, all right, I'll get somebody to help. And the driver's out there, and it's rainy, it's bad. And he gets the tire finally changed, and he goes down the road. He says, hey, you know, um, just so we can know this, I I'm a little low on cash. Does anybody have any cash that we can get this, get back? I mean, I'm... Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You said this was a free ride. I'm sorry. Uh, this was supposed to be a free ride, right? I'm struggling with that. This is bus number two. While we're having our service, somebody, a man, comes through the doors. He's disheveled. His clothes are wet, sweaty, smelly, dirty filthy, and he cries out, we need help. A tornado hit a mission an hour down the road, and we need help. Can somebody come and help? We are busting out the door, right? You look at the bus, it's not a luxury bus, you're going, I don't think it's going to make an hour. I it's overheating already. It, it looks like a piece of junk. It's the old school bus seats. They're all ripped and torn. It's not comfortable. It's awful. It's dirty. It's filthy. But we get on that bus. The driver's going down the road, and all of a sudden it starts pouring rain. And the tire blows out. Boom! You hear the tire blow out. Before he can stop the bus, three people are out on the road, jacking it up, getting the tire off, getting the spare on. Going down the road more, and he goes, I think I'm going to run out of gas. People are saying, here's all I have, take it. Let me ask you a question. Does the first bus describe our current church situation too much? I'll take your silence as, yeah, it does. Here's where we're at today. If the church doesn't meet all my demands or requirements or check all my boxes, 
If it does something in the wrong way that I'm upset about, if it disappoints me in any way, I'm out of here. There's got to be another bus. There's got to be another church that's better for me. Friends, we are on a mission from God, in case you were wondering. People are headed to a Jesus-less eternity forever. Did you see the story? Did you see the video? This is real. But we're more importantly arguing about political arguments or whether we should wear a mask or not wear a mask. We're debating politics. We're making sure we're comfortable when many of the people around us are perishing and headed into a Christless eternity. Do you see it? Do you see them? Do you see the lost sheep? Jesus did. Jesus told them a parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulder and then goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. Jesus sent us to save, to bring the good news to the lost sheep, to find those lost sheep. We want to do our best to make sure that you're comfortable and that we're serving you as best as we can. But you know what? Our job as a staff and as a church is not really, that's not our bottom line. Our bottom line is to equip you to do the ministry of the gospel, of the kingdom, that's what our job is. You're not always going to be comfortable. You're not going to always agree with the decisions we make. You're not always going to be happy. But it doesn't matter. Because if you understand the mission that we're on, those things don't matter. But if you just want to go for a comfort ride, they matter a lot. Let me close with this. Jesus gives every believer a gift to develop. And the question is, are you growing? How do you measure spiritual growth? Well, oftentimes it's how much I know. It's knowledge that I have. Or we say, no, it's how long I've been a Christian. I've been a Christian for 20 years, so therefore I must be mature. I've been there. I mean, it's just like a tree. If it's planted and it's been there for 20 years, it's going to grow. It's going to be, you know, so that's the same with me. Now, I haven't done anything to grow, but it should happen. Or we say, I'm, I'm a mature Christian because I have this gift. Now, our gifts are given for the good of the church and to help us develop our faith. In fact, uh, your gift that God has given you is, is meant to develop. You're meant to develop it. But it's meant to develop you because as you deploy your gift and as you use your gift, you develop. Think about this. If you have the gift of mercy... And you begin to deploy that gift of mercy. What's God going to do to your heart? He's going to break your heart every day. Right? He's going to do that. And, and that's going to make you more thoughtful about 
what you have been given, and it's going to grow your heart. It's going to make you sensitive to other people. That's what your gift will do. When you deploy your gift, not only will you develop your gift, but your gift will develop you. We have people with amazing gifts who have never deployed them. They're sitting on their hands. But in the end, spiritual maturity, and, and it's, it's what he says at the end. This is the measure of spiritual maturity. It really comes down to this. How do we treat one another? I mean, this last year, how, how, how have we done? How have we treated one another? What have we, you know, he, he, he uses this phrase, and I, I, I love this phrase, and I use it with, when I talk to pre-marriage couples. I talk about balancing, speaking the truth, and love. I've had people come into my office. I've had people grab me and pull me aside and just speak truth into me in a very firm and angry way. Basically, they're just telling me everything they don't like. They're angry, they're mad, and they want to spew, and they feel like... I've actually had a few people say, God has given me the gift of prophecy, and this is what he's told me to tell you. And it's just negative, you know, just terrible things. Then I've had other people who really love me who come and said things that I need to hear. That's a very different experience. I've also had people who have come and have just, you know, said really nice, loving things. But in the end, it's not what I need to hear. There's truth that I need to hear. And so, you know, it's like your wife when she walks out and she says, do these jeans make me look fat? What do you say? Well... A little skosh here and a little skosh. No, you don't say, you say, you just try to change the subject as quickly as possible. <laughs> right? Don't you do that? But, you know, it's hard, right? And, and you, some of you, I hope that you've had somebody that you love who cares about you, who has had the courage to risk the relationship to say what you needed to hear in a time that you needed to hear it, in a way you needed to hear it, the words you needed to hear because they loved you. Not because they wanted to spank you or slap you, but because they care about you. Do you have somebody in your life that, that you've given them permission that when my life starts going off the rail, you have the, you have the, the permission to come and speak to me. But you have to be careful about how you do it. Because you can't come in anger. You can't come in frustration. You can't come. You have to come in the right way. One of the best ways I've ever seen it. And you might want to go back and read about it. Is when. Remember when David sinned against Bathsheba. And God said. You know, at the end of it. It's you know David. You know at the end. When, when Uriah's dead. And David thinks he's buried all the skeletons. It says. And the thing that David did displeased the Lord. And it was an ominous, those are ominous words because it means God's not done yet. He's coming for David. And he sends Nathan, the prophet. And Nathan is so wise and so smart. He doesn't come at David with guns blazing. I, God spoke to me and he told me to tell you. You sinned and, you know, God is not... No, he didn't do that. He tells him the story. And he tells him a little parable. And David is livid. You could read about it. Samuel. And finally, after David is all worked up and angry, this man should die. Nathan 
points his bony finger at David and says, Thou art the man. What did he do there? He came in the back door and he said what David needed to hear. And immediately David, shortly after that, we have Psalm 51. We have the repentance of David. Do you have somebody in your life like Nathan? Somebody who can say those hard things? You see, maturity comes. Spiritual maturity is how we treat each other. We say what needs to be said in a loving way. So what is speaking the truth in love? And, and this, is, this is the definition that I use. Speaking the right words at the right time, in the right manner, with the right heart. That's hard to do. Because oftentimes we feel like we've been hurt and we just shoot right back. And our heart's not right, our words are right, time's not right. And we feel justified in doing it because we've been hurt. Spiritual maturity is, a, is demonstrated as we speak the truth in love. So, what gift did you get this Christmas? Because if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you got a gift. The question is, do you know what it is? Are you deploying it? And are you allowing your gift to mature in you as you release it? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gifts that you've given to your church and to each and every one of us who loves you. Help us to uh, discover what it is, to deploy it, and help us to grow in maturity, Father. Help us to understand the church is, uh, is, there's something bigger in the Christian life than ourselves. That no church is perfect. The moment we step into it, it's become imperfect. We'll never meet all of our needs. It never can. But that's not really the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is to love each other and to serve one another. And to be brothers and sisters together in Christ. To speak truth in love. To bear with one another's burdens. To love one another. To pray for one another. To um, empathize with each other. To be there for each other. And to have a heart. The same heart that you have for the lost sheep. Father, awaken our hearts this year. And as we move into a new year, may this new year be different in our lives and in our church. We pray this in Jesus' name.